Good morning. Welcome to Praying the Psalms, a daily podcast by Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin. As the church finds itself isolated from one another physically, we are reading, studying, and praying the psalms together each morning as a way to join ourselves together spiritually. We want to slow down, get a bigger picture of God, and hopefully a more clear picture of ourselves. But most of all, we want to join ourselves together around the throne of the one who has joined himself to us. So if you haven't already, pull out a Bible and spend some time prayerfully reading Psalm 105. It is often paired with Psalm 106, so keep that in mind on Monday when you prayerfully read that chapter. God's Word has what's called two verb moods. These are described as indicatives and imperatives and are generally much more noticeable in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. However, we get to see evidence of both in this chapter. Indicative statements are used when referring to something God has already done, has promised to do, or is currently doing, whereas imperative statements are used as commands regarding what we should do. Sometime, check out the book of Ephesians with this in mind. The first three chapters are filled with indicatives, and then chapter 4, verse 1 states, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you've been called, followed by Paul spending the rest of the book explaining the imperatives of what that looks like lived out. God is so gracious to first let us know who we are and who He is before He tells us what to do. Immediately starting in verse 1, the author of Psalm 105 gives about 10 or 11 imperatives followed by multiple indicatives that describe God's character as the author celebrates what God has done throughout some of Israel's history. Take note of these as we read this psalm, which says, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wondrous works, glory in His holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Abraham, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that He made with Abraham, His sworn promise to Isaac, which He confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do not prof- do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, young locusts without number, which devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. 
Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for covering, and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail, and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing, and he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. As we read, we notice the psalmist rejoicing in, remembering, and recounting the incredible things God has done. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God commanding his people to stop and remember. Why do you think that is? As a child, I used to find that to be strange. All throughout the Old Testament, there's a lot of God commanding, like, hey, stop and and put a memorial there. Yet the older I get and the more I get to know the depth of God's character and witness the incredible things he has done in my life and in the lives of those around me, I'm growing to better understand how vital it is to stop and remember. We shouldn't merely stop and remember, but just as is the theme of this chapter, we should do so in a way that pursues and reflects God's glory. As we seek to make this a regular pattern in our lives, we'll more naturally obey the imperatives we find in the first five verses. These include giving thanks to the Lord, calling upon His name, making His deeds known to others, singing to Him, singing praises to Him, telling of all His wondrous works, glorying in His name, encouraging all whose hearts seek the Lord to rejoice, hopefully including your own heart in that, seeking the Lord, seeking His strength, seeking His presence continually, remembering His wondrous works, remembering His miracles, and remembering the judgments He uttered. As you look through that list, there's just such a sweet pattern of dependence and gratitude and praise. It's a long list, yet I think God would get more glory in each of our lives if we sought His strength in having these imperatives become the norm in our lives. My life has been far from normal. Being raised by a dad whose motto in life has been, why be normal, helped set me up for that. And in my 39 years, God has allowed me to get to know many incredible things about His character, see Him answer numerous prayers, and see Him perform wondrous works. With those things has come much sadness at times and much joy at other times. In the middle of all that, a few people have encouraged me to write a book just to kind of reflect on what God has done and, yeah, just be able to share His wondrous works. Honestly, I haven't had a desire to do that, but yet I wonder if each of us should actually write a book, or maybe more like a psalm, in which we give God thanks and praise and describe the wonderful things He has done in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I'd encourage you to take time to write a psalm or even a book testifying of God's work in your lives. Feel free to even start today with a brief outline. That's the farthest I've ever gotten in my own attempt, but even that has been so worshipful as I reflect on much of what God has done in different seasons of my own life. What would our unbelieving friends and family think if we talked to them more often about the wondrous things He's done for us? It's a sweet chance to even just leave a bit of a legacy to those who will follow after us. In conversations with unbelieving friends and family, I find that my sharing His wondrous works is what most often gets their attention and seems to give them a willingness to listen to the gospel. Try that this week, covered in prayer, asking God for His strength, and anticipate what He'll do through it. So often, if I'm discouraged, tempted to feel shame, weak, weary, burned out, fixating on what I don't have, or what isn't going right or well in my own life, I sense the Holy Spirit desiring me to take my thoughts captive and to dwell— Not just occasionally consider and blow past, but truly dwell on what Paul encourages us to do in Philippians 4.8. That is, to dwell on the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Every so often, I just spend time looking up the definitions of these words that are so easy to take for granted. 
When I'm feeling the things I just mentioned, I try to stop and ask myself, is what I'm dwelling on true? If not, how do I replace what I am dwelling on with what is true? Is it honorable? If not, how do I replace those thoughts with what is honorable? And we can do that with every adjective listed in Philippians 4.8. I found that so helpful in my own life when I've asked God to help me do just that. And I think that these first five verses are a great way to have our thoughts dwelling on what Paul encourages us to. As we read on, we see that God keeps his promises and covenants. Which of his promises have you experienced him keeping? Which ones have yet to be fulfilled? How can you expectantly trust him to keep his word? Take time to meditate on God's works towards Israel listed in this chapter. They are incredible. God is so powerful. The next chapter fills in the gaps of the ways Israel sinned in spite of God's faithfulness and wonders on display. But even in the middle of their disobedience, he still loved them. Just this morning, I was reading in Mark 10 about the rich young ruler who asked Jesus what he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life. Jesus told him that he knew the commandments, and the ruler responded by saying that he'd already obeyed all of them from the time he was a child. Verse 21 says that Jesus looked at him, felt a love for him, and told him to sell all he had, give it to the poor, and then he'd have treasure in heaven, followed by the command to then come follow Jesus. Mark says that the young man was saddened by this and went away grieving because he owned a lot and knew to him it wasn't worth giving up everything to follow Jesus. I'm blown away by Jesus' love for him, knowing fully that he would choose his possessions over him. That's the kind of king we serve, the son of the living God, whose wondrous deeds we get to thank and praise him for and get to tell everyone else about. Throughout this chapter, we see God's protection over those he loves and his power so clearly on display. Take time to meditate on each Old Testament story described in this chapter. Let it lead you to worship. In verse 19, we see that God tested Joseph's character. Sometime, I'd encourage you to check out Genesis 37-50 to to see how that played out, taking special note of the traumatic experiences Joseph faced. Note also how he responded to those trials and how God blessed, protected, and cared for him. Since we live in a world filled with traumatic experiences that we experience both personally and also see occurring in the lives of those around us, I'd encourage you to then take time to consider how you can learn from what Joseph learned as God tested his character and how you can come alongside those you love who experience the same as you consider the wondrous works God has done in and through you and those you love as he's carried you through or is presently carrying you through whatever you may be facing. The psalmist ends the chapter by telling his readers how God blesses people so that they might obey him, and then he ends with the command to once again praise the Lord. Let's pray that we too would be people who obey and praise him as we continue to learn from his word and the ways he's worked in our own lives. Please pray with me. Father, yeah, I just continue to stand in awe of all that you are and all that you've done. Thank you so much that you know that we just, yeah, get the greatest pleasure when we find our greatest pleasure and delight in you. And God, I, yeah, just see the psalmist encouraging us to do that in these first few verses. And and God, I ask that our Doxa family would be a church family that is full of just thanking you and praising you and telling of the wondrous works that you've done. And God, we, although we want to think that we're really independent and don't need help, we are so dependent on you. And I pray that we would just seek your presence continually and seek your help and just call on your name. And God, would we just be amazed as we continue to get to know you and see you just readily answer those prayers. God, I pray that, um, yeah, just all of us would take time to stop and reflect and remember all the things that you've done. God, um, whatever our church family is facing right now and in just each individual life, would you be near? Would you use Joseph's story, especially to just encourage people to just continue to obey and walk by faith and trust that you're going to go before them and prepare the way and yeah, just do great things as you carry them through. And so, yeah, God, I desire that in my own life too, but 
we just, yeah, we want you to get all the glory. So we love you and just continue to look forward to what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen.